Rob, I got a violation notice from the town code enforcement agency today. <laughs> from the town? Yeah, they want their money. Oh. It feels bad. <laughs> that sounds bad. So, wait, what's the violation? Uh, I need to repair the concrete on my front stairs. Wait, wait, but it's only the stairs of your house. It's not like the sidewalk or anything? Well, I guess technically, you know, town people do go up it, like the mailman. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It kind of feels like getting a pissy letter from your school <laughs> that your kid was in a fight. <laughs> and, you know, you didn't you didn't do anything wrong, but it's your, it's your problem. Is it one of those, like, you've got... 30 days to fix the issue? Or, yes. Oh, uh, how many days? Is it 30? Uh, something like 30. <sighs> Actually, now that I think of it, it's more like you get a threatening letter from the school that your kid ate <laughs> $1,700 to $2,500 of chocolate from the candy sale, <laughs> and the school's going to find you $100 every day until you can get that chocolate up to code. <laughs> It's time, time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome to the show that usually ends, another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I'm Rob, and this is my friend Alan. Alan, what up? I'll be here for the next 30 days, pending code <laughs> enforcement. <laughs> Live by the code, die by the code. Well, this week, Alan, we've got a... Uh, We've got a tale of Victorian romance, question mark, um, oh, great. from 1895, so you know it's it's timely. Uh, this is from something called The Frivolous Cupid, a collection of stories by Sir Anthony Hope Hawkins. little fun trivia about him. Hmm. He's actually the writer of The Prisoner of Zenda. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I read that once. He must have done some other things to be a sir. I assume. Uh, interesting things. This story is a little different. It's called Why Men Don't Marry. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> Bit of a treatise. <laughs> yeah, so be prepared uh, to essentially a Reddit thread from 1895. But uh, now it's time to curl up in your favorite chair, folks, and grab a drink while we, we read you this week's tale. We were sitting around the fire at Colonel Hallborough's. Dinner was over. Had, in fact, been over for some time. The hour of smoke, whiskey, and confidence had arrived, and we'd been telling one another the various reasons which accounted for our being unmarried. Uh, mostly that women are intimidated by very good-looking <laughs> men to the point of blocking them on Twitter, so it's tough to get in communication. <laughs> for we were all bachelors, except the colonel. And he had, as a variety, told the reasons why he wished he was unmarried. 
Uh, well, I just think it's an antiquated institution that keeps women subjugated and me from sleeping around. <laughs> His wife was away. Jack Dexter, however, had not spoken, and it was only in response to a direct appeal that he related the following story. That story may be true or untrue, but it must remark that Jack always had rather a weakness for representing himself on terms of condescending intimacy with the nobility and even greater folk. Oh, greater folk. Uh, yes, I used to summer with the Jolly Green Giants at Frozen <laughs> Pea. They own millions of acres, you know. <laughs> Jack sighed deeply. There was a sympathetic silence. Then he began. For some reason best known to herself, said Jack, with a patient shrug of his shoulders, the Duchess of Medmenham, I don't know whether any of you fellows know her, chose to object to me as a suitor for the hand of her daughter, Mary Fitzmoyne. Uh, I preferred her cousin, Miss Mitzfoyne. <laughs> Mitzfoyne. The woman was so ignorant that she may really have thought that my birth was not equal to her daughter's. But all the world knows that the Munns were yeomen two hundred years ago, and that her grace's family hails from a stucco villa in the neighborhood of Cardiff. Oh, Lord, stucco. <laughs> it's so brittle, and you have to patch the cracks with an elastomeric seal it. It's so gauche. <laughs> However, the Duchess did object, and when the season, in the course of which I had met Lady Mary many times, ended, Instead of allowing her daughter to pay a series of visits at houses where I'd arranged to be... Um, let's see, I asked her to call it Terrace House, the House of the Rising Sun, and of course the Waffle House. <laughs> that did not end well for anyone. She sent her off to Switzerland, under the care of a dragon, whom she had engaged to keep me and other dangerous fellows at a proper distance. Okay, now, according to the Monster Manual, the chromatic dragons are evil and the metallic dragons mm -hmm. are good okay. i think it's the crystal dragons that are busybody governesses <laughs> they, they make the best busybody governesses actually well that's what they were bred to do by the arcane wizards of <laughs> tiamat <laughs> running out of dungeons and dragons knowledge upon hearing of what had happened from george fitzmoyne an intimate friend of mine I at once threw up my visits and started in pursuit. I felt confident that Lady Mary was favorably inclined. In fact, I had certain proofs which... But no matter. Uh, certain stereoscopic daguerreotypes, if you catch my meaning. <laughs> and that if I won her heart, I could break down the old lady's opposition. I should certainly have succeeded in my enterprise and been at this moment the husband of one of the most beautiful girls in England but for a very curious and unfortunate circumstance, which placed me in an unfavorable light in Mary's eyes. I was not to blame. It was just a bit of bad luck. Oh, very bad luck. You know, she caught me fucking her governess. But, you know, <laughs> how often do you get to say you stripped a crystal dragon? <laughs> not often enough. I ranged over most of Switzerland in search of Lady Mary, I went to the Swiss-German-speaking part, the French-Swiss, the Italian-Swiss. I even went to the Swiss-Swiss, which is all Katy Perry fans. Wherever I went, I asked about her. And at last, I got upon the track. At Interlaken, I found her name in the visitor's book, together with that of a Miss Dibbs, 
whom I took to be the dragon. Oh, hey, I've been there. To Miss Dibbs? (laughs) Interlocking. That's how you get up to where they shot the Iger sanction. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, thrilling. How boring was it? (laughs) It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I questioned the porter and found that the two ladies had, the afternoon before, hired a carriage and driven to a quiet little village some 15 miles off, where there was a small but good inn. Here they evidently meant to stay, for letters were to be sent after them there for the next week. The place was described to me as pretty and retired. Like if Lee Lee Sobieski was a hostel. Don't get me started on Lee Lee Sobieski. Have you heard her poetry? Uh, what? (laughs) Yeah, just don't Google it. It seemed, therefore, an ideal spot for my purpose. I made up my mind at once. I started the next day after luncheon, took the journey easily, and came in sight of the little inn at about seven o'clock in the evening. All went well. What? <laughs> uh, do you have any rooms? Yes. Hot dog, my plan worked. The only question was as to the disposition of Miss Dibbs toward me. I prayed that she might turn out to be a romantic dragon, but in case she should prove more obstinate, I made my approaches with all possible caution. I was dressed in a camo top hat. My finest camo top hat. Well, it's a shemog pattern, so <laughs> you know I'm dressed to impress. When my carriage stopped at the door, I jumped out. The head waiter, a big fellow in a white waistcoat, was on the steps. I drew him aside and took a ten-franc piece from my pocket. Is there a young lady staying here? I asked. Tall, fair, handsome. Oh, please, sir, the tip is more than enough. You don't have to flatter me. <laughs> and I slid the piece of gold into his palm. Well, yes, sir, he said. There is a young lady, and she is all that you say, sir. Pardon me, Monsieur's English? Yes, said I. Ah, said he, smiling mysteriously. And it is Wednesday. It is certainly Wednesday, I admitted, though I did not see that the day of the week mattered much. Did did I get some ash on my forehead, or...? He came close to me and whispered, The lady thought you might come, sir. I think she expects you, sir. Oh, you can rely on my discretion, sir. Yes, my discretion, which of course I only extend to the first man who asks me about a woman each night. I was rather surprised, but not very much, for I had hinted to George Fitzmoyne that I had meant to try my luck, and I supposed that he had passed my hint on to his sister. Dear Mary, I hope you're doing well in Switzerland. My friend is coming, blah, blah, blah. Now what exactly is a sylph? My predominant feeling was one of gratification. Mary loved me. Mary expected me. There was complete mental sympathy sympathy between Mary and myself. Do you think I have it, Dr. Vakeman? You're no fluke, Jennifer. I went up to my room in a state of great contentment. I'd been there about half an hour when my friend the waiter came in. Advancing towards me with a mysterious air, he took a blank envelope out of his pocket and held it before me with a roguish smile. <laughs> Here you go, sir. Well, uh, actually, it's the bill, but I comped your minibar. <laughs> Monsieur will know the handwriting inside, he said cunningly, 
Now, I had never corresponded with Lady Mary, and of course did not know her handwriting, but I saw no use in telling the waiter that. In truth, I thought the fellow quite familiar enough. So I said shortly, and with some hauteur, Give me the note. And I took another piece of gold out of my pocket. We exchanged our possessions. Um, well, it's an unusual request, sir, but of course, we like to accommodate our guests. I'll just go get my cat and back copies of National Geographic. The waiter withdrew with a wink, and I tore open the precious note. Whatever you do, it ran, don't recognize me. I am watched. As soon as I can, I will tell you where to meet me. I knew you would come. M. M. M as in Manafort. It's all coming together. (gasps) I knew it. Where's the pee-pee tape? The darling, I exclaimed. She's a girl of spirit. I'll take good care not to betray her. Oh, we'll circumvent old dibs between us. At eight o'clock, I went down to the Salle d'Almager. It was quite empty. Mary and Miss Dibbs no doubt dined in their own sitting room, and there appeared to be no one else in the hotel. Mm, Yes, sir. We had a number of cancellations after last week's large Friends of the Bedbug Society convention. (laughs) However, when I was halfway through my meal, a stylishly dressed young woman came in and sat down at a table at the end of the room farthest from where I was. I should have noticed her more, but I was in a reverie about Mary's admirable charms, and I only just looked at her. She was frowning and drumming angrily with her fingers on the table. Woo! Now do Moby Dick! <laughs> yeah, Bontos Montreux! Yeah! The head waiter hurried up to her. His face was covered with smiles, and he gave me a confidential nod en passant. Nothing else occurred except a villainous-looking fellow something, to judge by his appearance, between a valet and a secretary, thrust his ugly head through the door three or four times. Whenever he did so, the waiter smiled blandly at him. I mean, of course he did, okay? Tell me if this sentence sounds right to you. The waiter at Outback Steakhouse (laughs) smiled at us with unfeigned exuberance when we ordered the kookaburra wings. (laughs) He did it the last time, just as the lady was walking down the room. Seeing her coming, he drew back and held the door open for her with a clumsy, apologetic bow. Hat-tipping intensifies. She smiled scornfully and passed through. The waiter stood grinning in the middle of the room, and when I, in my turn, rose, he whispered to me, It's all right, sir. I went to bed and dreamed of Mary. When I go to sleep, I never count sheep. I count all the chimes about Mary. I I thought I was thinking of the wrong girl. (laughs) On entering the room next morning, the first person I saw was Mary. She was looking adorably fresh and pretty. Like she was covered in goop glow and bust dust. She sat opposite a stout, severe-looking dame in black. Directly, my eyes alighted on her. I schooled them into a studiously vacant expression. What? (laughs) She, poor girl, was no diplomatist. Oh, that's okay. You can still get your GED. She started. She glanced anxiously at Miss Dibbs. I saw her lips move. She blushed. She seemed almost to smile. 
Of course, this behavior, I loved Mary the more that she could not conceal her delightful embarrassment, excited the dragon's curiosity. She turned round and favored me with a searching gaze. I was equal to the occasion. I comprehended them both in a long, cool, deliberate, empty stare. The strain on my self-control was immense, but I supported it. Mary blushed crimson, and her eyes sank to her plate. I'll just stare into my pheasant like innocent women do. Poor girl! She had sadly overrated her powers of deception. I was not surprised that Miss Dibbs frowned severely and sniffed audibly. At that moment, the other girl came in. She walked up, took the table next to mine, and to my confusion, bestowed upon me a look of evident interest, though of the utmost shortness. One of those looks, you know, that seems to be repentant of an instant, and are generally the most deliberate. Oh yeah, one of those looks, like when you accidentally glance at another guy's urinal. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm, I'm a janitor, buddy. It's just professional interest. <laughs> I took no notice at all, assuming an air of entire unconsciousness. A few minutes later, Mary got up and made for the door with Miss Dibbs in close attendance. The imprudent child could not forbear to glance at me, but I, seeing the dragon's watchful eye upon me, remained absolutely irresponsive. Stay absolutely still. They have very bad eyesight, but they can smell horniness. <laughs> they can see movements, but only in the groinological region. Nay, to throw Miss Dibbs off the scent, I fixed my eyes on my neighbor with assumed preoccupation. Flushing painfully, Mary hurried out, and I heard Miss Dibbs sniff again. I chuckled over her obvious disapproval of my neighbor and myself. The excellent woman evidently thought us no better than we ought to be. <laughs> That's the Greyhound bus slogan. <laughs> no, no better, better than, than we, we ought to be. be. Hey, what the fuck you expect? It's got wheels. <laughs> It's $21. What do you want from us? But I felt that I should go mad if I could not speak to Mary soon. I went out and sat down on the veranda. It was then about half past ten. The ugly fellow whom I'd had noticed the evening before was hanging about. But presently a waiter came and spoke to him, and he got up with a grumble and went into the house. Really, sir, your fugly mug is bugging our wugs. By the way, wugs is the plural form of wug. That's a little... A little fact there. little grammatical teaching joke for <laughs> all the people out there that love grammatical teaching jokes. <laughs> You're welcome. Ten minutes afterward, my neighbor of the Salle Manger came out. She looked very discontented. She rang a handbell that stood on the table and a waiter ran up. Where's the head waiter? She asked sharply. He's in the head. Waiter! No. Pardon, mademoiselle, but uh, he is waiting on some ladies upstairs. What a nuisance, said she. But you'll do. I want to give him an order. Stay. Come indoors and I'll write it down. You are hereby requested and required to relinquish command of an extra thing of ranch dressing and... <laughs> Also, are you sure this is diet? <laughs> she disappeared, and I sat on, wondering how I was to get a sight of Mary. Okay, all right. Number one, keyhole peepery. 
Okay. Number two. Let me get this down. Remote viewing. No. <laughs> Number three. Some kind of elaborate mirror puzzle like Laura Croft would solved. I like it. I think all good options. At last, in weariness, I went indoors to the smoking room. It looked out to the back and was a dreary little room, but I lit my cigar and began on a three days old copy of the Times. Three days, barbaric. Why, this Mark Trail strip isn't even covering current events at all. <laughs> Thus, I spent a tedious hour. Then my friend the head waiter appeared, looking more roguish than ever. <laughs> yeah, he shows up in leather armor, keeps trying to get behind everyone. I dived into my pocket. He produced a note. I seized it. Why have you been so long? Charmingly unreasonable. What could I have done? Directly you get this, come to the wood behind the hotel. Take the path to the right and go straight till you find me. Yes, I'll be the one who's fucking freezing my ass off. <laughs> I have thrown the spy, poor old dibs, off the scent. M. Oh, no, it's Peter Lorre. <laughs> I mean, it's not metaphor, it's Peter Lorre. <laughs> well, they, they both did something wrong. I caught up my hat and rushed into the hall. I cannoned into a young man who had just gotten out of a carriage and was standing in the veranda. With a hasty apology, I dashed on. Beyond doubt, she loved me, and she was honest enough not to conceal it. I hate mock modesty. Hashtag ironic humble brag. I longed to show her how truly I returned her love, and I rejoiced that there would be no tedious preliminaries. Come on, baby, you don't need those tedious preliminaries on. <laughs> No, no, I don't need one. I'll return your love and then stop returning it right when it gets to truly. Mary and I understood one another. A kiss would be the seal of our love and the most suitable beginning of our conversation. A kiss? No, I thought we were doing a strangers on a train thing where you kill my governess and I kill a waiter or something. I'm not really focused on that part of the process. <laughs> I would prefer that story. In five minutes, I was in the wood. Just before I disappeared among its trees, I heard someone calling, Monsieur, Monsieur. It sounded like the voice of the head waiter, but I wouldn't have stopped for 50 head waiters. Uh, what is another name for 51 guys at a porno edition? <laughs> I took... I took the path Mary had indicated and ran along it at the top of my speed. Suddenly, to my joy, I caught sight of the figure of a girl. She was seated on a mound of grass, and though her face was from me, I made no doubt it was Mary. Oh, yeah. No, us too. Uh, hey, guys, mm -hmm. let me tell you a story about a romantic misadventure where everyone reasonably and directly <laughs> communicated with their love interests. Bully! She wore the most charming blue cloak. It was a chilly morning, which completely enveloped her. No, listen, she's totally not a daily cloak wearer, okay? It was one time at a Renfest. We had a turkey leg. It's a one-and-done thing. I determined not to shilly-shally. Uh, no, you don't want to shoddle when it comes to shiklaring <laughs> your love. <laughs> what a shick. She loved me. I loved her. I ran forward, plumped down on my knees behind her, 
took her head between my hands, dodged round, and kissed her cheek. At last, my darling, I cried in passionate tones. By Jupiter, it was the other girl, though. Oh, no, how could it be the other? Ah, well, no, I can't do it, Rob. Let's, come on. <laughs> Get somebody, just have somebody fill in for me for a couple weeks or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I put in an ad on uh, Craigslist, uh, must feign surprise easily. I sprang back in horror. The girl looked at me for a moment, and then she blushed. Then she frowned. Then, why then, she began to laugh consumedly. I was amazed. At last, you call it, she gasped. I call it at first. And she laughed merrily and melodiously. She certainly had a nice laugh, that girl. Now, concerning what follows, I have, since then, entertained some doubts whether I behaved in all respects discreetly. About that, all you guys can keep a secret, right? You will allow that the position was a difficult one, but it is, I admit, very possible that my wisest course would have been to make an apology and turn tail as quickly as I could. Well, I didn't. I thought that I owed the lady a full explanation. Besides, I wanted a full explanation myself. Finally, oh yes, I see you fellas grinning and winking. And Mitch over there making the BJ motion with your hand and cheek. That's not appropriate, okay? <laughs> not cool, Mitch. Not cool. Mary was not there, and this young lady rather interested me. I decided that I would have five minutes talk with her, and then I would run back and find Mary. I must beg a thousand pardons, I began, but I took you for somebody else. Oh, of course, she said with a shrug. It's so is that. It's always that. Is she a scroll? Is she 1993's Doppelganger starring Drew Barrymore? <laughs> Doppelganger. You appear incredulous, said I, rather offended. Well, and if I am, said she. My feelings were hurt. I produced Mary's second note. If I can trust to your discretion, I'll prove what I say, I remarked in a nettled tone. I shall be very curious to hear the proof, sir, and I will be most discreet. I'll put it on Wattpad, and that way no one will ever read it. <laughs> Never. She was pouting, but her eyes danced. Really, she looked very pretty, although, of course, I would not for a moment compare her with Lady Mary. <laughs> Big rack. What? Huh? Huh? Oh, no, a gentleman would never disclose <laughs> due to his discreetness. <laughs> a lady, said I, was so kind as to tell me to seek her here this morning. Oh, as if I believed that. I was piqued. There's the proof, I cried, flinging the note in her lap. See? Meetup.com. Open networking event for young professional dilettantes at... The path to the right. She took it up, glanced at it, and gave a little shriek. Where did you get this? Why, from the head waiter. Oh, the fool, she cried. It's mine. Yours? Nonsense. He gave me that and another last night. Oh, the stupidity. They were for... They were not for you. They were for someone who is to arrive. Godot? I gotta be honest, lady, you're gonna be waiting a while. <laughs> I pointed at the signature and gasped. 
M. Do you sign M? Yes, my name's... My name begins with M. Mulva? <laughs> oh, if I'd only seen that waiter this morning. Oh, the idiot. Then I believe I swore. Noit you tut. You jetutin monkey bird. <laughs> if you get that reference, smile happily inside, people. <laughs> Madam, said I. I'm ruined. No harm is done to you. I'm a man of honor, but I'm ruined. Oh, yeah, he's a real fucking knight of the round table. <laughs> I was on the trail of the Holy Grail. Then suddenly a fairy made me dick around Europe for a bit, looking for some tush. <laughs> on the strength of your wretched notes, madam, I've cut the girl I love best in the world. Cut her dead, dead, dead. What? The young lady in the... Oh, you thought they were from her. Oh, I see. Oh, how, oh, how very amusing. And the heartless little wretch went into off into another peal of laughter. You pretended not to know her. Oh, dear, oh, dear. And her laugh, laughter echoed among the old trees again. I saw her looking at you, and you ate on like a pig. Hey, hey, I have low blood sugar. And by the way, the raclette here is to die for. <laughs> Put on a little little gherkins. Oh, man. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Stop laughing, said I savagely. Oh, I'm very sorry, but I can't. What a scrape you've got into. Oh, me. And she wiped her eyes. They were as blue as her cloak, with a delicate bit of handkerchief. You shan't laugh, said I. Who were your notes for? Somebody I expected. He hasn't come. Well, that makes four of us. Mm -hmm. The waiter took you for him, I suppose. I never thought of his being so stupid. Oh, what a brute she must have thought of you. And she began to laugh again. I had had enough of it. I hate being laughed at. If you go on laughing, said I, I'll kiss you again. It's like the anti-Georgie Porgy. <laughs> what a what a what a horrible horrible thing to threaten someone with. What it's a it's a fun little nursery rhyme about a sexual harasser. <laughs> the threat was a failure. She did not appear at all alarmed. Not you, she said, laughing worse than ever. I should like you fellows to understand that my heart never wavered in its allegiance to Lady Mary. My conscience is quite clear as to that. But I had pledged my word. I caught that tiresome girl round the waist and I kissed her once. I'm sure of once, anyhow. She gasped and struggled, laughing still. Then, with a sudden change of voice, she cried, Stop! Stop! I let her go. I looked round. We had a galley of spectators. On one side stood the ugly-headed valet, on the other, in attitudes of horror, Mary and Miss Dibbs. <laughs> you've got the valet, uh, you got Mary, Miss Dibbs, you've got Statler and Waldorf, and you've got, uh, you've got the guy juggling fish. You've ruined us both now, said the girl in blue. I rose to my feet, and I was about to explain when the ugly fellow rushed at me, brandishing a cane. I had quite enough to arrange without being bothered by him. 
I caught the cane in my left hand, and with my right I knocked him down. Brings the cane to a dandy fight. Then I walked up to Lady Mary. I took no heed of Miss Dibb's presence. It was too critical a moment to think of trifles. Lady Mary, said I, appearances are so much against me that you cannot possibly attach the slightest weight to them. <laughs> this looks so bad. It can't possibly be true. I think it was the philosopher-poet Shaggy who declared <laughs> it to be his maxim. It wasn't me. I've learned so much from him over the years. She even caught me on the counter. <laughs> it wasn't me. Sir, said she, I have no longer the honor of your acquaintance. I have only to thank you for having had the consideration not to recognize me when we met so unexpectedly in the dining room. Pray continue to show me the same favor. Ha, <laughs> burn. Hey, man, you want me to get a barber to apply some leeches to the area around that burn to redistribute your humoral balance? With which pleasant little speech she turned on her heel. It was clear that she suspected me most unjustly. I turned to the girl in blue, but she was beforehand with me. Ha, I wish I'd never see you, she cried. You great stupid creature. He, she pointed to the prostrate figure of the ugly servant. We'll tell Frederick everything. Frederick? Oh, is this the true story of how the War of Austrian Succession begins? You know, somebody's going to make a series out of it eventually. <laughs> Next, on Hulu, Frederick. Come, said I. I was only an accident. Well, that doesn't make you less special, honey. It just means God wanted to ruin Mommy and Daddy's lives. <laughs> It would have been just as bad if, as I spoke, I heard a step behind me. Turning round, I found myself face to face with the young man with whom I had come in collision as I had rushed through the hall. He gazed at the servant, at me, at the girl in blue. Margaret, he exclaimed, what is the... Hush, hush, she whispered, pointing again to the servant. I stepped up to him, lifting my hat. Sir, said I. Kindly inform me if you are the gentleman who was to come from England. Certainly I come from England, he said. So you're the foreign investor. <laughs> and you ought to have arrived on Wednesday? Yes, he answered. Then, said I, all I have to say to you, sir, is that I wish to the devil you'd keep your appointments. And I left them. That's why I'm not married, boys. Oh, nothing to do with my total lack of class and empathy. Where's my glass? <clears throat> it, it is a very curious story, observed the colonel. And who were they all? The girl in blue and the young man and the ugly servant and Frederick? Colonel, said Jack with an air of deepest mystery, you would be astounded to hear. I'm telling you, Robert Stack would shit his pants <laughs> over this. We all pricked up our ears. But, he continued, I am not at liberty to say. We sank back in our chairs. Do you know? asked the colonel, and Jack nodded solemnly. Out with it, we cried. Impossible, said Jack. But I may tell you that the matter engaged the attention of more than one of the foreign offices of Europe. 
Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, this is probably what Doyle based the scandal in Bohemia on. <laughs> Some jackass traveling to Switzerland and trying to sex up a lady and <laughs> accidentally sexing up another lady. Good heavens, cried we in chorus. And Jack drank off his whiskey and water, rose to his feet, and put on his hat. Poor dear Mary, said he as he opened the door. She never got over it. No, she keeps liking pictures of me and my new girlfriend on Facebook. It's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> the colonel shouted after him. Then what did she marry Jenkins of the Blues for? Peak, said Jack, and he shut the door. The end. I gotta, I gotta give it to this story. All right, that was an ending. <laughs> Peak. It did stop. It, I'm not. <laughs> no, compared to most of the stories we've covered, yeah, it had mm -hmm. an actual ending. Um, I really wanted to know though who who Jenkins of the Blues was and uh, why is that not a name for a jam band? <laughs> <laughs> That's. <laughs> we play uh, skiffle honky tonk. <laughs> Jenkins of the Blues, we're not so much a band as a feeling. Well, what did you think the moral of the story was, Rob? Look at the girl's face before you kiss her when you're sneaking up on her in the woods. That's that's a good lesson. I feel like uh, if Shakespeare had taken that advice, Rob, we never would have gotten the Midsummer Night's Dream or Coriolana. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the moral of the story was, Alan? That's a good question, Rob. It is. I'd love to tell you what the moral <laughs> of the story was. Um, I, I have all night. I think the moral of the story is that uh, it depends what edition of the monster manual you get, <laughs> depending on what kind of powers the crystal dragons have. You're going to need to match that to your planar system. Hmm. To make sure that uh, that you've got a good alignment for the <laughs> governess, probably neutral evil. Mm, it's that's I mean because you don't want them to be totally evil. Um, that's right. But you know you need them to have the ability to cast off suitors and uh, or turn them into pillars of stone or a menthol breath weapon. <laughs> I'm, I'm very intrigued by this, and uh, I'm going to go order a uh, first edition Monster Manual off eBay now. That's the one with the weird drawings, man. Oh, I, I kind of like the weird drawings. <laughs> that about wraps it up for this week's episode. So uh, tune in next time for another exciting Interrupted 50 Headwaiters <laughs> Tale. thinking about asking our listeners popping them the big question okay it's it's not an easy one i think now is the time for us to both get on our knees and 
look deep, deep into our listeners' ears and what? and ask them sincerely and with conviction, will you rate and review us on iTunes? Okay, we're on our knees. Where are their ears? <laughs> They're going to have to bend down too. Everyone, get on your knees. Okay, wait a minute. I don't think we want to ask our <laughs> listeners to do that. You know what I think we do want to ask them to do? What? Is to please go to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. If you like what we do, help us out. It's free for you. It's a great thing for us. Rob, can you say anything else without making inappropriate requests from our audience? You can rate and review us on any of the other services too. Google Play, they're awesome. Whether you do it on your knees or not, I leave it up to you. That's your business. Thank you, folks. We appreciate it. Thank you.